And now, a word from your podcasters. Folks, we have a bit of news to share with you. If you haven't listened to episode 225, Angela and I realized that we've been sort of stuck on repeat mode. We've been sharing the same old stories and anecdotes and caught ourselves saying it multiple times during the episode. I think we talked about it recently. It's actually been a deep cause of concern between us. And so with that in mind, we have some good news. No more retreads. Welcome to the reboot. This is the era of Double Density 2.0. For the next month, we're placing a moratorium on the following topics. Angelo buying guitar gear. Angelo noodling on his guitar. Brian mentioning his work-from-home problems. Brian saying, yeah, I saw them ten years ago. The band Nirvana. The Beatles. The concept of Angelo practicing magic. The word ergo. The sentence, we're pretty skeptical. Mentioning musicians and gearheads' YouTube channels. Brian saying, don't use the form on doubledensity.net. Any mention of family members' text setups, including phones. I love my PS5. I recently bought it for Switch. Brian mentioning doing shit with his wife. Well, kind of, with a whole Disney trip on the horizon. The words, I don't know. Skepticism for the sake of skepticism. Please also note that the only Apple that can be spoken of during this time is the 1980s sci-fi musical, The Apple. In addition, Brian and Angela will accept any reasonable suggestion for an experience sent their way. So, listener, beware. You are in for a scare. So, hey, this is where you, the listener, come in. If we talk about any of the band items during a broadcast, you can flip us an email at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com and let us know where we goofed up, as well as your mailing address. And you'll be eligible for a vaunted Double Density No Prize. We hope you enjoy this new era of double density, and without further ado, here are Brian and Angelo. Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 226 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, this Next month is all about renewal. It's all about new things. It's us trying to move away from the known into the unknown as we try not to talk about the things we're always talking about. Because if you listen to the last episode, there's a lot of, I don't remember if we said this. I think we've talked about this. So you and I are making a concerted effort to move away um, from these topics that we've kind of used as sort of crutches and attitudes that we've used uh, before in order to sort of create a, a new version of Double density, a better version of Double density, a more intriguing version of Double density, both for new and returning listeners. Yeah, I just hope you don't find the problem with my answer to the listener mail this week because it sort of tangentially is related to some of the things we're not supposed to talk about, but not really. It's just a way of proving my point. All right, well, we'll see this. So yeah, so we're going to start things off. The only thing we're going to talk about in the tech segment is some listener mail. So Trish sends in an email and says, hey, next week question. Next week's question, what would you prefer? An alien overlord, robot overlord, or Satan and its demons? Angelo? Three tantalizing options, my friend. Which way are you leaning towards? Well, I was kind of leaning towards the robot overlord because of my time spent in the Horizon universe, the video games, where uh, the premise is basically you're very far into the future, but 
society has been brought down to almost prehistoric levels, except you're fighting giant robots every once in a while. And it's because uh, AI went awry and created this world uh, and started killing everybody. And then the machines took over. And I guess it was really bad for the people that lived through the robots mm-hmm. and their uprising. Right. But the the world of uh, of Horizon seems kind of seems kind of neat. So I'd like I'd rather be like in the future with the the, the descendants, sort of. Fair enough. So yeah, my so my my roundabout way of saying I'd prefer like AI slash robots right. because we've kind of programmed them and we kind of know where they're coming from, whereas aliens are uh, right there in the name. They're completely alien to us, and Satan seems like a jerk. <laughs> so you'd rather be subjugated by robots. Uh, what about yeah. like the Terminator 2 kind of, of uh, future, though? Aren't you worried about that? I guess, but are aliens any better? Is Satan any better? Okay, so here's my thinking, right? Like, Satan, automatically, get out of here. Satan, definitely, there's no upside to hanging out with Satan and his minions, right? So let's just, you know, discount Satan, right? Next up, robots. Interesting, your choice. Robots, probably just as negative almost um in terms of like subjugating the human race into its like whims and things like that right so i'm gonna put that aside alien overload a big x factor right the wild card who knows like it could be bad but out of the three the least worst i think is aliens due to the fact that we're not quite sure um what we expect from our overlords and what they want from us right so uh because trish is kind of vague she didn't say they want to use us you know as you know, pieces of food or something, uh, or or amusement or anything like that. I'm going to put my money on Alien Overlord because, like I said, I think we might actually partially have a better future if we go that route versus um, being forced into a cyborg existence where we are being coded to do one thing or zero things. Luckily, this is just a thought experiment because now that you put it that way, my robot answer sounds awful. I agree. If anyone else has any ideas, doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com or, Angela, where else can they reach us very quickly? Well, there's doubledensity.net where we have an amazing form they can fill out and the form reply goes to the email address. So it's like almost as good as writing an email. If you want to be old fashioned, write an email. If you want to be like the new kids, go fill out a form. Yeah, exactly. And then also... If you check our socials, there'll be the list of banned topics of discussion for the next month. So if you want to catch a slipping, you can check our socials to confer with uh, your brain to see whether or not we uh, broached a certain line. Angelo, let us head on over to the mean potatoes of episode 226. Double density. So Angelo, we're going to be diving into um, the second edition of Revisiting Coast to Coast AM here. So the first edition last month in April, we did Shadow People. We discovered a bit of a mystery. And then this week, we were talking about Chupacabras. which I'm also intrigued by, but also may have several answers for. So, Angelo, let us go back to the night of May 8th, 1996 on Coast to Coast AM. Did you, you just check your watch? Are, are you worried? Well, no, I checked my watch t- because did you pick this on purpose? Because tomorrow is May 8th. I know. So, so I didn't even realize this. It was kind of serendipitous of me to, to decide to do this. So I kind of was like, hey, let's just, uh, it's in May. Let's do May, right? So, Angelo... The guest is Hector Tito Armstrong for the first hour. And then there's open lines for a couple more hours. I know that we'll be talking about that, unfortunately. Um, But I want to concentrate on the first hour um, the most, right? So from what I remember in my listening of 96 to 98, um, uh, Hector, who wants to be referred to as Tito, called the show during an open line segment and mentioned the website and things like that. And I think subsequently was booked on Coast to Coast AM. 
So before we dive into the episode, Angela, would you define what a chupacabra is for you? My understanding of a chupacabra is that it's usually lizard-like in appearance. The size ranges from really small to much bigger. In this episode, they talked about some being four feet tall, which seems gigantic. And they feed on the blood of smaller animals. And they are cryptid, I think is the most important thing you mentioned. Well, yes. Okay. I felt that went without saying. I, You know, now that we looked at the date of this episode, I feel like the scariest part is that 1996 was 27 years ago. <laughs> and not the fact that we're talking about a cryptid. How old were you when you were listening at this time? You were like 10 or 11, no? Yeah, I was 11. Yeah. Quite impressionable. Not really. I kind of was no? always just like, oh, that's interesting. It's never going to affect me, though. So. And here we are, 27 years later. I know, and I'm still Directly affecting you. Let's launch into the episode, right? So Art starts off by talking about the fact that Chupacabra, there are news reports now hitting the United States about Chupacabras. Um, uh, he also plugs the AOL uh, chat room, the grassy knoll chat area within the Periscope section, which I thought was like a nice little time capsule. And he had mentioned that they had uh, hit max amount of users, so they had to clone the chat room, the grassy knoll chat room, out to a second one, which I thought was, was very, very intriguing. And then Art explains how... Um, the Chupacabra has moved from South America to finally the United States. This creature that is now all over our news, first in Puerto Rico, then Mexico, then South America, Central America, Mexico, and now Chupacabra looks as though it has landed right here in the good old USA. Uh, welcomes. Hector on Hector Tito Armstrong. So let's, I guess we'll refer to him as Tito going forward, right? Yeah, that's what he decided. He says to, he wants to go by. The whole, uh, the, the Chupacabra coming into America sort of reminds me of, remember the Killer Bee Scare? Yes, of course. Of like the mid 80s to early 90s of the Killer Bees coming from South America. I watched America. a TV movie about that, I feel like. Was it the, the WWF? No. With the Killer Bees in it? No, hold on. I got to find this. Uh, but anyways, I will, uh, I'll go through a list of, uh, different killer bees to look through and I'll find it and I'll throw it into the uh, show notes, but that doesn't matter. So Tito mentioned something really interesting, uh, that he, uh, has a website for the Chupacabra and Angelo Princeton is still hosting it in the year of our Lord 2023. He did some research, did some digging and you found the website. I did. I went to this website. This could be our tech segment right here. It is... Very 90s web with fonts that blend into the background to just get used to this. Yeah. And I assume that the formatting is slightly different because of the way that uh, the web has evolved. But yeah, uh, you know, prison as an institution, shout out to you for having this uh, still online. Also, there's a you can watch you can look at Tito's um, resume if you'd like. It's also on the website, too. Yeah, lots of stuff to read there. Yeah, I agree. it's it's quite it feels quaint at this point. Yeah, so like it's, just, it's, it's funny to, to see that kind of like time capsule. Definitely. Speaking of a time capsule, though, Angelo, uh, Art makes a comment around eight minutes about uh, most of the songs don't have a computer. I thought that was really funny because it's true. In the mid-90s, I was only getting my first internet computer in 96 or 97 anyway. So we didn't have... I, I had a... A PC, uh, I guess they were called compatibles at that time. It was made by Magnavox. It was a 16 megahertz with a CD-ROM in it that had a caddy. Remember those one-speed CD-ROMs? You had to yeah, put yeah. the CD-ROM in a CD caddy. So I had one of those, but no internet yet. 
And yeah, I guess I would have been one of those listeners without a computer with, uh, with no internet access. So it's so not mean, that strange, I guess. So what you're saying essentially is that you're just um, pretty much par for the course here, internet list until later on. Weren't you? Or did you get internet before that? Got internet in 97, I want to say. Yeah, okay, same thing. I got internet in 97. The first time I used it was in college. So yeah, this this is the infancy of the internet, definitely. Yes. But that comment did strike me as funny because yeah. computers are pretty much everything now. And then Art asks Tito to describe it. So we'll drop a clip here of, of the description uh, given, or other descriptions, I should say. Okay, well, according to most um, eyewitness accounts or most um, reports, this creature supposedly um, has the shape of a, uh, a small kangaroo, but uh, is is sort of reptil- reptilian in nature with two large um, red eyes. And um, so basically it, it would look like a cross between a small kangaroo and a small dinosaur. Um, that's, I think, the best way to describe it. And uh, it has um, allegedly um, some spines growing out of its back. Um, I was going to ask you about that. It looks scaly on its back. Exactly, yes. Um, and then... It, it basically looks very, like, typically gray alien um, in nature um, with regards to its head, and then the, the body then looks sort of like kangaroo-ish with a tail at the end. Can this thing fly? Um, allegedly, it, it can. I mean, the, there have been some reports that uh, it can fly, um, but, I mean, obviously, due to the nature of this, that hasn't been confirmed in any, in any way yet. Right. In the past, in my skeptical analysis of all things cryptid, I did hear that chupacabras were basically mangy dogs or coyotes. Mm -hmm. And these reports seem to come from a lot of places that have a lot of stray dogs around. Wouldn't that be one of the explanations? Yes. So we will talk about that a little bit later. But that is one of the things that is believed to be a chupacabra. And I love that Art posits that this could be happening because of pollution. Remember pollution, Brian? Pollution and acid rain? We don't talk about those. It's still happening. We just kind of put it on the back burner. Like the show The Smoggies, the cartoon show The Smoggies from the late 80s, early 90s? Never saw that. Oh, well, I did watch Captain Planet. He was going to save us all. Right. Also, The Toxic Crusader, right, which is the offshoot of the Toxic Avenger movie, which we talked about also briefly. It's also available on Tubi if people want to um, go ahead and, and check that out. But then at one point, Art asks, hey, could chupacabras suck blood, as in human blood? Hector says, well, it very well could be. It feels like a really bad improv yes-ending exercise of, like, I accept what you are saying and perhaps agreeing with it. So they asked the audience what they were going to do, and uh, people shouted out, chupacabra, yeah, blood-sucking. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Fill in the blanks, Mad Lib style, and then that's what okay. they, they rolled with. Yeah, because... I felt like Tito was a lot of uh, very quick, short answers and a lot of, uh-huh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point, uh, Angela. At one point, he refers to a gal that has been on a show named Linda Howe, and I could not help but <laughs> laugh very loudly. I know. The way that he says that is very quaint and very over time, right? Was she young at that point? I have no idea how no, old the No, she was in her, her 40s at that point, I think. But Art was like in his 80s, right? So So Tito mentions that he's not religious, Angelo. Very interesting. Usually that might mean that somebody will approach things more skeptically. Oftentimes, uh, hardcore skeptics are not religious. Do you think this is affecting the way Tito is approaching the whole topic? 
I think so. I think that if you're not biased in a certain way, aka in this point, religious, I think that it kind of uh, asserts itself in a in a more mutual kind of manner. Yeah, because then Art goes on to say, could be like the devil on earth. Yep, and we got a clip of that here. There are many religious people who would say this is a manifestation of the devil on earth. Uh-huh. And certainly some of what it does is pretty devilish. I would guess. Art also looks interested in knowing the relationship between UFO sightings and chupacabras. Do you think there might be some kind of relationship between all this UFO activity, and you've had a fair amount down in Puerto Rico, too, Yes. Uh, and the appearance of chupacabra? Okay, here's what we've got. The Rand Corporation, in conjunction with the saucer people. Thank you. Under the supervision of the reverse vampires. <sighs> and... He's really, really interested on in knowing their sexual habits. I think he's concerned about them overpopulating America, <laughs> like rabbits. Because yeah, he asks, do we know their sexual habits? And Tito says, no, but we have to assume there's more than one. And then he kind of explains what animal reproduction is and, you know, whatever. Also, just in Angela case just, the listeners don't know, they don't have the internet. You just said repopulation, Angela. I'm kind of curious, right? You just, uh, you know, factually mentioned uh, art is mad about the repopulation of wolves in Yellowstone. Yeah, but that actually... Uh, with with hindsight, that turned out to be excellent for Yellowstone. Uh, but Art seemed really worried about it because of today's politically correct society. What would he think of woke culture? <laughs> I don't know. He was not a big fan of it uh, prior to his death, so don't think he would have uh, enjoyed um, because he living. was he was like right leaning with some liberal tendencies. Would you yeah. say that's a fair yeah. assessment? Yeah, he was definitely libertarian with certain things, and then conservative with others. Yes, yeah. But then believed in global in climate change, right? So yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Like he seemed to talk a lot about climate change. The two episodes we've listened to from uh, was the other one also from the late nineties. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, the same same time from that era. He was interested in in global warming. I, I wonder if he agreed with Al Gore. Ooh, I I could probably pull an episode or two where they're talking about that. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. We'll see. But so uh, what happens is like around the half hour mark like art kind of almost gets it when he wonders if it's an urban myth or a real cryptid and i'm gonna play a clip here of that um but i find that dichotomy interesting of like him wondering out loud because that's what he does a lot right he never um tends to be definitive on the things he's not sure of which i appreciate i when i first heard about this i thought urban uh, or even suburban legend you know sort of a myth it sounds like a mythical creature but uh, now the reports are getting too numerous many too many reports to believe that i think something so, so one of two things is happening either we have this urban suburban legend that is growing by leaps and bounds or the chupacabra is growing by leaps and bounds because one little chupacabra certainly could not uh, there's no way that it, there's no way that it could uh, spread from puerto rico to south america central america north america now and then right about the same time it's mentioned that there are no actual pictures of the chupacabra just sketches or people um using their computers to create digital approximations which i found very well, interesting as a description it's the same thing with every sort of cryptid, alien, bizarre sighting. There's no real good pictures of anything, unless you count Bigfoot. the uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, Skunk the, but even that is not a, a really good picture. It's just a guy in a suit walking funny. Uh, Brian gave me a look when our, I said that. No, no, but does, that, does that break one of our tenets of skepticism for the sake of skepticism? I'm not quite sure. I'm going to let the listeners decide on that one. Okay, okay. Well, and then... Tito mentions that he's also interested in the more folkloric aspects of the Chupacabra, more, almost more so than the actual um, uh, monster itself. So we've got to come up with that here. I think that uh, the way especially Puerto Ricans have, um, have reacted to this um, and, and 
and then Mexicans and Americans and South Americans have reacted to this, point to the fact that the, uh, the, uh, the creation of a new type of folkloric beast, or, or similar to, uh, um, say, for example, a leprechaun in Ireland. So this has become a part of a Puerto Rican culture, for better or for worse, um, right now. He is from Puerto Rico, so he's grown up with this, because early reports of the Chupacabra were, I think, in the 70s in Puerto Rico. That is the hotbed of Chupacabra activity. And then it, it's moved northwards, right? So Well, like the killer bees. <laughs> exactly. They all just migrate north together yeah. as a cultural force, uh, one after another. Now, there was a man who was attacked with bite marks, but we haven't heard much about this Like since then. There's never really been other attacks of no. chupacabras and humans. It's sort of petered out chupacabra like now there's the netflix movie which we haven't watched and when i mentioned to you that we should watch it you kind of groaned so maybe we're not going to watch it. i think it's a kid's movie anyway it is a kid's movie yeah and there's no no real talk about this the 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 top of the show starts with all the news reports right all these local affiliates talking about chupacabras and art insisting that they're scared of this they're not treating it with the same sort of jokey attitude that they do with ufos this is serious because it's going to attack farms people are going to lose money it's serious people are going to lose their lives allegedly yeah right so and And then we we start into the listener calls which uh uh, stay on topic very briefly and then derail very quickly so the first one is from bill this is bill from reno hello bill yes i believe this uh chupacabra thing yes i believe it's older than we are this uh is more than likely a uh Survivor of the Great Extinction Living Underground. I uh, really thought Bill from Reno had uh, some odd takes on this because it's – so he feels like it's from the – great. it's before the Great Extinction. So these are older – I guess the Great Extinction in his case is dinosaurs, correct? I think that's, I would assume, so, assume yeah. that. Okay. And these are now popping up because of all the earthquakes happening because for some reason there was an increase in earthquakes. There wasn't. Uh, Earthquakes are earthquakes. They've been happening for years, many years, uh, all of the years, basically. And he thought there were crevices opening up from the center of the earth, and these things are coming through and eating small animals. Isn't that like a, a Power Rangers uh, like plot line? Let's be honest. Rita Repulsa sending us some chupacabras to attack the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure that a lot of those characters uh, emerged from the depths of uh, of um, earthquake uh, chasms. Yeah, my my son's on a Power Rangers kick lately because we watched that I the, like, remake, reunion? right? Like the reunion show. Yeah. We watched it because right. we had nothing to do at night, and he actually liked it. And I thought it was kind of fun because I watched the Power Rangers in the I was like in my mid to late teens when that was out. And it was yeah. kind of fun to watch because there, when there was nothing else on. So you just came home, just did that. Yeah. Well, there's nothing. We did not have the joys of just turning on your computer and watching anything you wanted back then. Right. So you had to wait for things to be on. You had to wait for Art Bell to show up. You didn't have no podcasts. Yeah, you had to listen late. Hope that no one was, uh, you know, trying to interfere with the the airspace. Hope there wasn't a baseball game to to interfere with the actual airing of the episode. Another classic. Uh, Speaking of the episode, let's get back to it. So um, let's talk about blood types. (laughs) Let's talk about blood. Let's talk about blood traces. Not a regular blood type in some of the animals that they, they found. But of course, uh, like everything else, Tito said the report remains unconfirmed. Correct. So it's something you heard. I heard it from somebody. Exactly. He, so he, because of his sight, because of the, what, the work he was doing with 
And like we said, I think he was looking more into the folklore of this. He's He grew up with it. He's interested in it. I don't think he actually believes they're real, to be quite honest with you. I think he, he thinks there's something to the folklore. But I, don't, I, I, I wasn't convinced that he thought these things were real. He mentioned all these things and would often follow up with, it's unconfirmed, but I heard yeah. it from somebody yeah. who knows something. Who knows a guy? Exactly. Exactly. Just his the his the uncle works at Nintendo in Japan, and Mario <laughs> Four is coming out. Yeah, gotta watch out for it. Uh, and then Art brings up once again uh, the animal sex habits. The He's obsessed. Is, He's horny on Maine, dude. He just he uh, loves to talk about cryptids banging. Yeah, and of course, government cover up. That's what he thinks is happening here. And where would the government covered up chupacabras be, Brian? Where? Anywhere, really. Any, no, they uh, would be at Wright Patterson, Brian. Wright Patterson. He says right. it right there. Where there's the just episode. cages of all the cryptos and all the alien life forms just Next together. to the aliens. Yeah, 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 of course. So then I, uh, there's a long segment where he kind of uh, recounts the news of the day, and that takes up like 15 minutes almost. But it, it makes me laugh because he talks about uh, PepsiCo's new drink, Josta, which I completely forgot about, and I threw a link into the show notes about that one, about how it has guarana, which could be a sexual enhancer. According to him, of course, and he has to mention it because that's what he's talking about. He mentions horny stuff several times, and I'm not talking about the horns on a chupacabra or, or the, the devil. devil. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like, listen, like Josta was a precursor to like energy drinks in North America. Like, guarana is a very active ingredient in all of your monsters, all of your nozzles, all of your rock stars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? yeah, so yeah. a caller can, calls in later and confirms this. Actually, yeah, the guarana is like a, a caffeine stimulant. So yeah, yeah. He also mentions a, a uh, an interview that he's going to do, which he actually did do, with uh, Larry Pornell, who's the co-author of the science fiction book Lucifer's Hammer. I actually read it late last year, and it's co-written by a guy known as Larry Niven, who wrote a lot of really great science fiction books. So it's a little l- long, <laughs> but if you like speculative fiction, it's definitely worth a shot. It's kind of like how do you rebuild society um, when a giant asteroid has destroyed most of the Earth around you. The chupacabras survive that, though. They do, unfortunately, right? Because they raise from the, the center of the earth, in theory. After this, though, he mentions Dr. Kevorkian, because that was in the news, and he would like to interview him. Brian, my question for you, did he ever do that? He never did. That's Which would have been bad. an interesting episode to listen to. Yeah, because I, I would have suggested that as our next episode. You would have listened to, like, three hours of that. Well, I listened to three hours of this. That's true. So I, I will listen to it. I And well, it's kind of a nice departure, right? So, like, did I like the last half of this episode? I did not. But I listened to it, and we're going to talk about it. Um, okay, so kind of like let's talk about a bit of a meta thing here, right? So what happens on Coast to Coast AM is that when Art likes what a guest is saying, he'll keep them on, right? So, for example, last month with the, the Shadow People episode, the Shadow People woman, he asked her, hey, do you want to stay another hour? Versus I think Art could tell that Tito wasn't, like, bringing much to the conversation, which is why he kind of just donged him off and went to open lines. Um, which is, like, the more you listen, the more you realize what he's really into or what he finds um, attractive in a guest versus very, very boring. Um, so clearly he's like, Tito's just not bringing anything to the table. Let's just open up the lines. What do you feel that Tito did wrong? I feel like he just he wasn't giving much at all. Like, it was all, it could be, we're unconfirmed, we're not quite sure. Like, it just, it wasn't engaging in a way that I think he wanted to be engaged in in the way that's like a constructive conversation. Yeah, that, I, I definitely saw that. Most of his answers were just sort of 
quickly one-offing things that he would think of, not, not even elaborate on anything. He would just say he heard this, but it's unconfirmed. He said that so many times, I think. That's the thing is that age. But that's unconfirmed. Re- it's re- repeated and repeated, right? So it's just after a while, you kind of get bored of that. So I understand why he, he decided to just go straight to open line. So one of the first callers, uh, a white guy <laughs> mentions that he went down to Peru a while back and he feels like the Chupacabra might be a Peruvian protector. How does he know this, Angelo? Because a Peruvian shaman um, had a pipe in the shape of what may be a Chupacabra. Isn't that what uh, Venom's called? The uh, What is he, the protector? I can't remember his the name. Lethal protector. Lethal protector. Okay. Yeah. Not Peruvian. No, he's not localized in <laughs> <Okay>. Peru. <laughs> okay. Just just checking. Uh, next caller, though, thought... <laughs> I believe I laughed out loud at this. He thought they were coming from Middle Earth. Oh, it's the same guy. It, was it the same guy? It's the same guy, because then he mentions that he brought home a staff from Peru with the shape of okay, a monster. Okay, so I missed... So I missed in, that's the thing with this. It's three hours, right? So you miss some things. I thought it was two different callers. So, yeah. No, it, it, it's it's one of the, the funnier long-term callers that he had. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so he so he brought the staff home from Peru, thinks they're from Middle Earth. Uh, did he, like, when he says Middle Earth, does he think, like, the middle of the Earth? Or is he talking oh, like Tolkien it, Like here? Tolkien, yeah. Like, he's just, uh, he's on the herb talking about oh, Middle okay. Earth. <laughs> yeah, a peace pipe for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, another interesting caller was Barbie, who has multiple radios to listen to Art. And Art was, I couldn't tell if he was impressed or freaked out by the fact that she had multiple radios. I think he's mad. I think he's mad because some of the radios were still on. And well, that's one of his big things is telling people to turn the radios off. Like you'll yeah, see you this continually that? over and over all of the time. Yeah. And that, that, was a, that was a thing you'd hear all the time back then because people would listen to the radio. They'd call in and there'd be feedback. Yeah, my favorite are the callers who say, I'll take my answer offline, and then just hang up so they can hear. It seemed like one of the next callers was somebody who was like a regular named Shadow. Yeah, Shadow wanted to hear cat sounds. So Art always plays the cat sounds. Like, that was a regular running bit of the angry cat that riled up any cats listening to the radio. Would your cat get riled up by that? I don't think mine would care. Here's the unfortunate truth. My cat is deaf now. And so she doesn't get riled up anything. Oh, well, that's too bad. Thanks, Angelo. Uh, I'm sorry. So the, uh, one of the next calls, I think, is like the last Chupacabra-related call of the evening, and it's, it's a question of whether or not it was uh, part of the Philadelphia experiment, which I thought interesting. I was thinking of, about your recent show on the Philadelphia experiment and the cloaking process yes. that the gentleman said he could reproduce, and it reminded me of the Chupacabra uh, being able to appear and disappear, and I wonder if during these experiments they maybe opened some kind of door and let something in they didn't know about. It's entirely possible. But then we'll just keep on keeping on. So there is a woman who is South American that Art sort of hits on. He, yeah, it was really odd. He, he, did he say her, her, she was cute or something like that? Her voice was cute, yeah. Yeah, he called her cute. It really, uh, I don't know, it kind of made my skin crawl a bit, art turning into (laughs) the creepy old man type thing. It was, it was weird. He, he, because he kept making her say chupacabra over and over again because he liked the way she said it. Yeah. He would have kept her on for an hour, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. Are you kidding me? That would have been a great piece of radio. For I honestly time, think that's why he, yeah, that's why he kept on the guest in the shadow people thing because he he liked her her fake, possibly fake accent, right? And her her probably fake persona. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then during uh, the conversation with the woman that he's hitting on, he mentions uh, that he's talked to Linda Moulton Howe about the Chupacabra too. So he uses her full name this time, and she f- has gone down 
to investigate this. Like that was. The oh thing yeah, she's, she's boots she's on, on the, the ground, field. Brian. Yeah, yeah, she's in it up to her, her ankles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I kind of have uh, another point to bring up when we talk about more of the analysis side of things. Next, he just completely shifts topics. It went from chupacabra to talking about militias in Oregon, and this is where I. I was just getting annoyed with the people he was talking to. Yeah. So the show derails at this point, right? So Art covered the militia Freeman topic pretty extensively in 96 into 97. He dedicated like a boatload of episodes around this time to the Montana Freeman and then talking about Waco, Ruby Rich, and like Warren. For some reason, he was just very, very attracted um, to this topic, uh, despite like not, like not agreeing with what they were up to. He was also... Uh advertising liquid aspirin he was really hardcore into yeah. this yeah uh which is like a, a good ad i guess i guess he's talking now, about bending his thumb backwards real hard which confused yeah, me, but I, whatever i mean like i do that look see yeah i know that's 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 uh, willingly he's talking about an accident oh that's unfortunate because i mean i yeah i can't really hurt my thumb that like that it just bends double density a dude named jay, jay calls in and so it calls him only... twice, right? So Jay is like, listen, I'm a, I'm a militia type man, and uh, I can't stay on the – like, there's this whole preamble of, like, I can't stay on the line long because they're going to trace me. Um, so then it asks Art if he can call back. Yeah. And so this is where I felt like even though Art leans right, he felt very liberal here in terms of asking him what kind of guns you can own. Because even now, 27 years ago – same complaints of the people that stormed the Capitol. They can't get the guns they want. They're going to take away their guns. They've been trying to take away their guns for how many years now? And they still haven't taken away their guns. And art seems to be on the side of responsible gun ownership or and not agreeing with these, uh, how do we, would we put it, nut job. <laughs> yeah, so he uh, he asked Jay what guns he can own, and we'll insert a clip here. All right, then, you're going to tell me what kind of weapon I can own? Well, you're going to tell me what I can and I cannot say in public. What do you want to own, Jay? What kind of weapon do you want to own that you can't, that is? Sir, I have been limited to the amount of rounds I can carry in my firearm. And then Art decides to set up a debate between Jay and whoever wants to call. So <laughs> good news, bad news. Jay meets up with Charlie. I have for you a debate partner, Jay, uh, the liberal the liberals, liberal uh, from Southern California. His name is Charlie. So Charlie the liberal from South California was a regular for years. And he used to come on just basically like screech about stuff and just kind of like try to rub art the wrong way with some of his liberal leanings and then like you'd get responsive callers calling back being like i hate that charlie and just like it kind of i feel like it was a, a put-on character that maybe like art kept in his back pocket to like rile people up um knowing that he because he didn't screen calls right so if charlie showed up then like you knew you're in for a debate or like a couple of calls getting mad at him so it was always fueled to the fire so but, i'm going to include a short snippet of what this debate was right here and this is like a a noise warning for all the screeching yes, that's about to happen because it did not last long the debate what you are what you are is a criminal pure and simple you, know, you can wrap it around you can say oh uh, uh, thomas jefferson and how about the constitution that crap thomas I it, well, I mean, it lasted a little bit. It lasted like 20 minutes. No, no. Okay, I'm sorry. It did not last long in terms of cordial debating. Oh, no, no. Like, it quickly it, it went from – it just – it went from let's talk about this topic to I hate you and you smell bad, like yelling no, at just, each other. Yeah, just slinging names, yeah. It was not constructive and the I, – I felt like 
Jay was trying to gaslight him in that, well, tell me when I said these things. I didn't. You know, he's yeah, like trying to. You're mis- like, you're, he at one point also says you're misrepresenting me. The media represent, misrepresents what we say, which is like, oh, interesting that like almost 30 years ago, you were claiming the same thing. So that's. that's yeah. It, mainstream media was a problem back then, too. As I was listening to this, I realized, OK, it's not that there are more of these crazies now. It's that they have a voice now that they did not have before because everyone and their mom could be on TV now because they just have a YouTube clip or they just post something to Facebook where all the olds and racists go. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and like, by the way, I stole that from Ted Lasso. Just, just saying that's where old people and racists are on, on Facebook. So, you know, concerning the, the topic, the debate itself, which is, you know, mug guns. Um, so I think there's a point to be made of some of the fringe members of society who believed in militias, especially in the or like the mid to late 90s, were emboldened by how like disastrously Waco went down. And that's one of the things that like, um, I, like I would get mad at Charlie a little bit because he's like, oh, it was justified during their debate or screeching session or whatever. Right. And, like, I think the government definitely was overzealous and time has proven that to be correct. But like it kind of like creates waves when you feel doubly oppressed right when you feel like the people that you look up to and your community are attacked by the government and then you know i'm sorry when i say like shot en masse and taken down charlie at one point asks him if he felt that what happened in uh oklahoma city was a terrorist act and he said it was and then he kept calling jay a terrorist because he was threatening to kill the military anyone yeah who to attack the military and police officers and uh it, it's just funny that like the liberal was protecting the rights of police officers back i then. know like, i know it was just... well also the funny thing too is like uh jay would say stuff like you know if my commander ordered me to and it's like you like so you're advocating for this but when it comes time to be responsible like you're delegating that to a a, a person who's like higher in command hypothetically like it's a very weird yeah. situation to not own it and it's like this militia sounds like a, a really horrible club for it's oppressed bad, yeah. white guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. So, like, the last hour of the show, essentially, is just filled with callers, like, picking sides on this, like, <laughs> on the gun debate. And I forgot how tiring it is. So I just want to, like, close the chapter on this on this one. And, like, let's analyze the Chupacabra Angelo. Yeah, because it was not that that last part of the episode was not easy to listen to. No. It was just a lot, like you said, a lot of screeching, a lot of people complaining. But let's go back to the whole Chupacabra thing. I don't think we're we're done with the whole militia talk, right? Like that's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole quote-unquote militia talk. I love that, yeah. Double density. Um, yeah. So I read two books in preparation for this episode. So the first one I read is Lauren Coleman and Jerome Clark's Cryptozoology A to C, so the, the entry on the Chupacabras. And then I read uh, Bridgman Radford's Tracking the Chupacabra, which I only realized yes. today in trying to find um, – uh, something that is actually like mentioned a, in a large part of the wiki entry for the Chupacabra. So I was kind of deflated a bit and I didn't realize that it was, it was there. So let's talk about the Chupacabra, the Chupacabra entry in the A to Z book. So this is something interesting that kind of ties what we do here at Double Density together. So in the book, they quote Donald Troll's old website. So Donald Troll, T-R-U-L-L, not Trump. Um, <laughs> they quote his old website and talk about how the Chupacabra, Angelo, may be the first cryptid that the internet can claim as its own. Because it was, let's say, born in the age of the internet? Well, and popularized via the internet. But, as we know, was sort of, I don't want to use the word discovered, but 
people started talking about it in the 70s. It's just right, but it, it was it hadn't gained critical mass yet, right? So yeah, they, because people were talking about of, Bigfoot before that, aliens yeah. before that. That was coming yeah. up on regular news reports, whereas this really came up through the internet. And I mean, I watched every X Files episode. I'm remembering correctly, there was a Chupacabra episode, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's another thing, right? That popularized it. So I think, like, and also, like, there were several like non, um, uh, nonfiction works, right? So I think it was on the Jonathan Frake show. I think. Fact or fiction? I think. Yes. Okay. It's possible. There, there are a lot of, and they talked about an unsolved mysteries as well. Yeah, there's a there's a ton out there um, that exists. So like since the the let's just say like the Puerto Rican Chupacabra in 1995, it's become like a mainstay online with stories popping up like over and over. So the cryptozoology A to Z book also notes that Scott Corrales, who's interested in Hispanic cryptozoology, points out that like you were saying, the modern report started in 74. And folklorically, it can be traced back to uh, Tano Indian tales of the Maboya, which I looked at you briefly. Super interesting stuff there, too. Then now let's talk about the Radford book. Yes, because that's that's the one I'm really familiar with, and I didn't read. I, I don't think I've ever read it, but I used to listen to his podcast, and he talked about it a lot. Yeah. So his, the tracking the Chupacabra came out in 2011. Now Radford, he was the editor of the Skeptical Inquirer for years and years. So he yeah. like, like he spent like five years writing this book, and essentially like as part of the writing, there was like he went down, and spent a lot of time in South America to research it, which I thought was like good for you for like actually boots on the ground. Yeah. Did he hang out with Linda with that gal in the house? Linda House. Um, no, but he mentions her, and we'll get into that in, in a little bit once we kind of reach the more conclusive part of the episode, right? So his conclusions are rather interesting, but before we can get to that, Angela, we need to start with the beginning of the 90s craze, so like the 1995 setting, right? So um, uh, patient zero of this is a woman named uh, Madeline Tolentino, and so she reported seeing the creature in the Puerto Rican town of Canovanas and gave an interview uh, in August of 95. So she sees this creature in March of 95, gives an uh, August 95 interview about the incident she lived through and so he actually radford actually managed to like track her down for an interview in 20, for his 2011 book which and is very interesting con- yes because he came to the realization that what she saw was because of a movie she watched well i was gonna say let's blame hollywood right so i'm not talking about like the <laughs> chupacabra was like actually dreamed up by a team of like hollywood special effects people no it may have all started <laughs> with natasha henstridge angelo yes but turning the, into her lizard form. The 1995 film Species. And this is straight from the book. As it happens, Madeline Tolentino stated that she saw the film Species before her Chupacabra sighting. The smoking gun appears in a March 1996 interview with Lucy Pia and Jose Emmanuel Rodriguez. It is reprinted as Chapter 5 in Scott Crowell's book Chupacabras and Other Mysteries, which I unfortunately was not able to find, but that is fine. So Tolentino states that she saw a movie called Species. It would be a very good idea if you saw it. So Radford continues... The logical implication that the film's monster being identical to the Chupacabra that Talentino later claimed to see is a cause and effect relationship instead of an amazing coincidence. It seems to have escaped a lot of like Chupacabra researchers from 96 to, you know, however long later, decades later. So part of the problem, though, is that like obviously there is a language barrier. So I'm wondering if that sort of like plays some could, role in that for the English speaking researchers out there. Well, it could also be that they realize that's too much pointing to somebody using that as a as a way to describe what they thought they saw yeah i mean just like so many gray alien accounts only really started after that cover of communion 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Right. That gained another kind of like critical mass there too. So later in the, in the, in the 96 interview, Tolentino states that I watched the movie and wondered, my God, how can they make a movie like that when these things are happening in Puerto Rico? Right. So if you read a closer reading of the interview would suggest that Tolentino believed that what she saw in the film was actually happening in real life because she then gets asked a follow-up question. In other words, the species make you think there might've been an experiment in which a being escaped and is now at large in Puerto Rico. So she says, yes, but they managed to kill her in the movie. Look, a journalist told me that El Yunque, a jungle wildlife refugee in Puerto Rico, said to be the Chupacabra's origin, was allegedly closed down because of the damage caused by Hurricane Hugo. A journalist told the truth that some experiments had escaped, not monkeys or anything like that, but they never found the creatures. So this journalist knows a lot about it because he's been researching this for a while. So this unknown journalist has claimed that there are... um, wild chupacabra-like beings that have escaped from a wildlife refuge. Is he one of the people that uh, talked to Tito as well? (laughs) Just (laughs) hooking him up all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, One of the other assertions that uh, uh, Radford makes in his book is that, for example, like, um, Tolentino describes the chupacabra with red eyes, right? But usually the only time you get red eyes is when there's light. There was no light in her um, encounter with the chupacabra, right? And so uh, something very interesting. So I, I like definitively like, and also in Radford's book, there's like a side by side of, of Syl, the Natasha Henstridge alien and the, um, or not alien, but like the, the hybrid, I guess. And yeah, of the sketches of the Chupacabra. And like, they're very, very, very similar. Pop culture imprinting on somebody and affecting them in real life. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, gets mentioned is that Tolentino said in the interview that she had given some, of the specimen to Linda Moulton Howe, but then years later, Howe um, said that she never received anything. So did she, so she had a specimen? Like so she, she had like a bit of animal left over. Okay. But yeah, this is, hmm. yeah. It's something super interesting too in the book is Radford goes on because in 2004, there's a Texan um, farmer who like, she's losing pets and stuff. And then she uh, captures a chupacabra and Radford describes like going to her home and seeing like the severed head of what appears to be like a canine and then they send the blood to get tested and it's a coyote right but she does not believe that is the case well because the government's covering it up at wright patterson air force base so then a uh, second test gets done in california also confirming that it's coyote so well and that's radford's hypothesis and that's what i was thinking of when i was listening to the episode and thinking oh this is a place where there's a lot of stray dogs mangy mutts that's what these chupacabras probably are and the coyotes he he mentions a very specific virus that they get right or a yeah. parasite and yeah and that's that's what the the california like lab confirms the second blood test confirms that right so it is a a pathogen that like um uh, makes them almost bald essentially yeah and they look like they have leathery skin And depending on how you flash a light towards them, their eyes might change colors. Yeah, exactly. So there's all these kinds of like of of, uh, different. I want to say, unfortunately, like I want to believe in the the notion of the chupacabra as like a being. Yeah, you you want it to be there sucking uh, goats dry. Yeah, exactly. Well, you remember we watched that Weird Weekends episode, right? The Louis Theroux episode where where they follow a rancher around. And that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. It was like 10 years ago, correct? <laughs> Hardly remember. More than 10 years ago, actually, at that point. Yeah. Oh, so my gosh. I kind of sw- no meaning. I want to kind of switch things oh, uh, like up a bit, right? So, and sort of talk about like more high-level conceptual stuff. 
Okay. So Radford uh, codes the Chupacabra craze of the 1990s as mass hysteria, which I thought was interesting, right? Because the creature only picks up steam outside of, like, its containment unit after a March 96 episode of, of Christina on Univision, right? So Christina is kind of like Oprah. Okay. So this Oprah-style show gets up, and then, like, it just kind of blows up. and it goes viral, like a thing. When, yeah. so to speak. So Radford ultimately makes the point that the Chupacabra, as Art had so eloquently mused about in the episode, is best viewed through the lens of a fol- folkloric beast. And I'm going to read the, the section here that I really liked. Okay. The Chupacabra is best understood from the point of view of folklore or cultural tradition. It is impossible to take seriously as an account of a real biological creature. For example, it is odd that the Chupacabra is almost exclusively reported by Spanish-speaking people in Spanish-speaking areas. The main monster, so there's a, a main sighting, but that kind of was like, once again, unconfirmed. Um, <laughs> though, like, in this sighting in the book, it could have been like one of multiple explanations, right? So he also says, there's no other animal that exists only where a particular language is spoken, which I thought was kind of interesting. Livestock are kept by ranchers and farmers over the world, yet the chupacabra only attacks the cattle and goats of people who speak Spanish or associates with those who do, which I thought was kind of interesting, right? And then uh, the last quote I want to read here is that early reports of chupacabras simply described a small, fearsome creature that attacked small animals. Interestingly, chupacabra descriptions grew wilder and more exaggerated the further they got from Puerto Rico. Reports from South America and Spain claimed some animals spread wings on their backs, some had red eyes, others had kangaroo-like legs. Such claims are a classic sign of folklore and are hard to explain if what is described is a real creature, right? So there's no consistency to the description. So therefore, it is kind of like in the eye of the beholder or the eye of the chupacabra seeker. Sort of slowly morphed into Mothman. A little bit, but I feel like there's more concrete stuff going on with Mothman. Yeah, but still, it's also that's also part of folklore, right? Mothman kind of... Although Mothman stays more consistent. Well, yeah. So the description of the Mothman, as well as like the, the actual, um, you know, uh, uh, events of Point Pleasant, I think are way more conducive to wanting to believe that like something, quote unquote, like something happened there versus like yeah. the descriptions of the Chupacabra. There's never been a photo. They all look different. You know, they range they from like, a dinosaur wildly. to like yeah, a it, small creature. Because usually in cryptids, we don't see this type of variance in size and shape and colors and behavior as well. And like, like you said, Ratford uh, mentioned, it doesn't stick to a certain language. No. And that's, that's the thing is that like, this is exclusively, and it's funny because you, you trace its origins from Puerto Rico up going North, right? Like migrating, like we were joking about the bees before, but really it's, it's the, a tale as old as time, right? Because you tell the story and the story multiplies. Yeah. In a classic and, folktale kind of setting, right? So the idea here of a quote-unquote like migration isn't necessarily migration. It's the migration of the knowledge of the story, not the creature itself. And I feel like this was one of the last times this could happen because it was at the infancy of the internet. And like we said, it was born of the internet sort of, but yeah, it was a very web 1.0 internet where it wasn't <laughs> like it is now. Yeah. And we don't see this happening anymore. No, I mean, it's easier to either debunk or try to fake something on the internet, right? But critical mass is reached in minutes slash hours, not days slash weeks slash years, right? So the yeah. knowledge of a chupacabra moving northward into the States, into its final kind of incarnation as something that, like, uh, English-speaking farmers worry about, like the woman in Texas in 2004 who was worried about, you know, this, like, mangy dog or coyote that actually just was, like, attacking her cattle and she her, like, chicken head. stuff. And, like, you know... um, it's kind of interesting to see 
people want to believe in the concept, but then when faced with inconsistency, it's sort of like doubled down. Like the woman was like very clear that she believed in that. And she felt that she was being um, deceived when she was told it was a coyote or something else. Yeah. So they had to order a second set of tests to California, right? So that's, it was just very interesting to see like um, – California like, liberals, Brian. Probably I know. Charlie at that point. Messing with all the DNA results too, right? All the sequences yeah. and stuff. Yeah, because the sequencing came back as like 98% coyote originally and she refused yeah. to believe it. Because she thought that like they were trying to screw with her in a secret war against her. Of course. Of course. So, Angelo, we've reached the end of Chupacabra Land, pretty much, unless you have any final thoughts on the Chupacabra. I love the full, like I said, I love the folkloric aspects of it. I love the idea of, I know in my heart of hearts now that, like, it doesn't exist, but the exotic, the interesting, like, there's not that many frontiers in the war, like you were saying, because the internet, but also partially, like, we spend more time discovering, like, deeper and deeper parts of the ocean, more of the world as we, like, wreck it as the human race. So, like, there, there are less and less places where we can find exquisite beings that we're not quite sure of the origins maybe deep in the ocean somewhere i have a few comments about this number one i'm really happy you picked chupacabra because it's something we don't talk about often and i too really like the folkloric aspect of it and how it is something also that i feel has been explained by radford and that it is likely canines that are infected with something and don't look like they're supposed to look like yeah. The other thing is that this episode was so different from the other episode. And the whole point of doing this is not just looking at the topic itself, is also talking about Coast to Coast AM, which with our bell specifically. Yes. And how this nothing like this really exists anymore. There's no, no more. Especially when open you can do a hard pivot. And, yeah. And it was really fun and sort of What's the word I'm looking for? Not mind numbing, but <laughs> infuriating. Almost? No, no, oh, yeah. infuriating went with the with the debating, but also eye opening in that. Oh, no, people aren't any worse nowadays. We just hear them, and we they just have hear a the voice. voice. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I was in in recording this right now. I was just thinking, like, just coming back to Chupacabra quickly. It's kind of interesting that like we go away from like like um, location based monsters like the Loch Ness, the Mothman, to the Chupacabra to like. Like creepypasta stuff, like Slenderman, right? The concept of a Slenderman could yeah. be could be a cryptid too, right? So like it could be a cryptid, but it's not location based, right? It's just thought based. Yeah, like he could come out of my closet right now, and you would be freaked out. And I, I honestly would be a little freaked out about it. Yeah, Angel, we reached episode two of of revisiting Coast to Coast. Am so now you chose, I chose. It's your turn again. Is there a topic that you'd be interesting in covering? Yes, I I actually thought about this today. I want to do something about ghosts, like a, a really good. Is there like a Halloween episode? Yes, so he does ghosts. ghosts. He's done. He's done several years of Ghost to Ghost Am. Okay, so I, I'd like for you to to see if there's one you remember that affected you, and definitely pick something about ghosts. <laughs> I'm going to pick something that stays on topic a little bit more because this is definitely like went yes. back and forth a while, right? So, <laughs> Brian, if I had to rate the guests, I would definitely put. Morgan Spence at the Dr. Morgan Spence at top. supposed doctor. Yeah. Supposed doctor, supposed Australian, supposed person that lived on Vancouver Island and perhaps maybe from Seattle. We don't know. She was from all over the place. I definitely have her as a much more charismatic guest than Tito. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was fine. He was fine too. He was really No, but pleasant. he was just ending too much and didn't have much, a lot of information to like sort of. Yeah. I'm it. being nice, I guess, but he, he was, he was not, 
he wasn't Jay, that's for sure. No, no, not at or, all. Or Angry Charlie over there. Charlie the Liberal, classic, classic. Um, yeah, so this has been, you know, a wrap-up of Revisiting Coast to Coast Episode 2. Angelo, where can people find us on the internet before we take off into our little spaceship? Well, uh, luckily, a lot of our listeners do have computers, unlike Art Bell's listeners in 1996. Some even and have they could pockets. go to, uh, to net and listen to us there or read things about us there or even send us messages. If you feel like we violated any of the rules we've set out at the beginning of this episode, go ahead, email us at doubledensitypodcast.gmail.com. Include your mailing address. There's going to be a no prize that I'm thinking about doing to those who catch us slipping. Okay. The other thing I I want to mention is go to somewhere where you can leave us a review. I guess the the Apple Podcasts place, (laughs) whatever it's called, you can leave us a review there. Uh, Five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever you want to give us. One star. Hopefully no no one stars. You're not allowed to bring up the big A, but I'm going to let you do it this time. What is the big A? Apple? Apple. Oh, but I mean, it's just where the... The only Apple we're allowed to talk about is the musical... The disco musical, The Apple. Okay. Or the uh, Apple Podcasts place where you can download this podcast yes. and listen to or us. Or the Android store. And rate us. Or the podcast Android store. Or anywhere. Google really. Podbean. Overcast. We've gotten a couple of reviews on Podbean, I think. So anywhere you can find us. Spotify's. If you love, if you left us a review somewhere. Make it positive, make it negative. The important part is that you do leave one. You let us know how you feel or how you don't feel about yeah. Double Density. And with that, Angelo... This is it for episode 226 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as you and I go gun shopping for an automatic weapon with as many bullets as possible in the chamber. I'm going to feel like the guy from Duke Nukem, also known as Duke Nukem. Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring Coast to Coast AM from May 8, 1996.
From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening and good morning across all these many time zones from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Islands, all the way east across this great land to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north to the bowl worldwide on the Internet. This is... My voice is cracking. Hold on. I...